This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, we've got a phenomenal episode today. We are coming live from Strathcona on the porch, our new studio. On the porch. You have basically have been living on this porch. I've been living on this porch. Partly we've had some beautiful one, days. doesn't want you near her or your baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've also been sleeping on this porch. <laughs> I'm also chained to this porch. Um, but no, we're in social isolation. We are in Strathcona, and uh, you may hear some saws, some hammers. There's some construction going around dog. Um, there was a dogfight earlier, which is why we're re-recording this this <laughs> intro for a fourth time here. Um, but we have a phenomenal program today. We have contributing editor for McLean's Magazine, uh, Peter Taylor. He's also the senior features editor at C2C Journal. And all around, just a, a super bright guy. And interesting conversation today about household debt and household assets and also what's going on with uh, COVID-19 and the Canadian economy at large. Yeah, it's so exciting that we finally got to talk to Peter Taylor. We've been trying to connect with him for a while now, and he wrote a piece last year called Why You Should Learn to Stop Worrying About Household Debt that was really interesting, and he outlines it here today, especially in light of these uncertain times. I think it's a really kind of refreshing conversation and uh, and one that makes me feel a little better about things generally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're looking for um, a little bit of optimism in this world that feels like there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, worry and um, anxiety, 
this this is this is not a bad episode, but it it definitely we cover a lot of things, uh, and it, it's interesting time. So appreciate Peter coming on the program today. Absolutely. And before we get to that talk with Peter, we got a couple things to talk about. One yeah. is the Oakland tip this week. Yeah, Matt, and you've got the Oakland tip. I have the Oakland tip. So Oakland Realty, this is our brokerage, fantastic place to be. Sure, uh, is. best in the business, no question about that. The Oakland tip this week. The BC Speculation and Vacancy Tax Declaration is due March 31st, so that's coming up. Now, these went out probably a month ago. Everyone who owns property in BC would have gotten in the mail a declaration form that they have to go online and fill out or you can mail it in. Uh, If you're like most of us, you probably threw it in the drawer, uh, potentially lost it. Still sanitize it. Uh, But you're going to want to revisit this. If you haven't declared, you have another couple days here to do it. The BC, this is not the empty homes tax. There's two declarations you have to right. do if you live in Vancouver. And the provincial government is not great with leniency on this. So make sure, I would I would hit pause right now and go fill that out if you haven't yet. I wouldn't. I'd probably listen to the episode through <laughs> make and, a note. And, and make a note <laughs> Make a note to yourself. Note. But but really, there's a lot of declaring that you're doing these days in for real estate in, uh, in the BC, in, well, in Vancouver and in British Columbia. So make sure that you're on top of that. Uh, make a note to yourself, and uh, hopefully they are a little lenient this year, given the circumstances. But uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust that. Just, just get it done. That's right. And we also give a tip, and we're putting out two episodes this week. I don't know if we have enough tips, but uh, we do have a tip this week for yeah, you. Yeah. What What is your tip this week? My this comes from uh, isolation times over the last <laughs> couple of days. You, you <laughs> I've, learned, like I've a learned a deep. lot. I've learned a lot on YouTube. Uh, which I have not spent a lot of time on before this week, but uh, watch Harry Styles okay. sing Sledgehammer on Howard Stern. This was seems, this That seems age-appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was looking for Sledgehammer, and it came up. So uh, you're, you're, you're YouTubing Peter Gabriel. <laughs> yeah. Which gives an idea of where you're at in your life. But the real, the real uh, story here is... Uh, these these guys on the forefront of men's fashion, like like right. Harry Styles, yeah, uh, like he's literally wearing grandma's clothing in this. Like it's it's insane. He's wearing pearls, uh, doilies. Uh, it's like you have to see this. I, I might it, get in you trouble. Wouldn't be, you wouldn't believe it if yeah. you didn't. If if it wasn't actually happening. Well, I might I might get in tr- trouble for saying this, but I kind of he's kind of moving towards being like almost like a Bowie esque type figure he's right? a defining like he's, factor in the culture i would say avant-garde which, for for somebody that uh, this is like we both don't know what we're talking about we should we should right but think about this uh 2003 2004 when skinny jeans came out and i was like that's a never yeah. never will i do that you're gonna be this wearing your be grandma's do- pearls, <laughs> pearls in, in no time this actually brings me to something you brought up earlier uh oh yeah because because i feel like if you're looking for guys doing this there's a couple of people i could think of probably russell brandt yeah and the other one would be jared leto like jared those leto. would be I, the guys on the forefront and I, you had a funny story about jared no leto. i do well i think everybody knows this story about jared leto but i laughed pretty hard about this just because i'm not a huge jared leto fan but this is classic jared leto <laughs> um he he was on a like 12 day 
silent medita- meditation retreat, like in the middle of the desert surprise, somewhere. Surprise, yeah. yeah, and he just like yesterday <laughs> checked his phone for the first time in twelve days. Could you imagine? He was like, like so, guys, anything like, new? Yeah, like what's up? Like any any new parts? No. Um, uh, <laughs> any pandemics? It turns out yes. Yeah. Um, could you imagine though? Like, he's, how's my stock portfolio yeah. doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. smooth sailing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, he's he's a he's a guy that's going to be adopting gram, gram, granny fashion. Did you actually explain what the what the whole thing is? Is this Harry Styles granny fashion? Like, I, I I googled it after because I was like, it was so uh, discombobulating. <laughs> right, <laughs> seeing this guy in uh, in doilies that uh, I had, and apparently it's a thing. Like this is actually yeah. a thing right now. Men's fashion is moving towards. Uh, grandma's fashion which yeah. seems, seems kind of crazy I, it, yeah it actually this reminds me of a guy we uh remember we went to a party yeah we went to a party a couple of years ago in Wait, Town. where are you going with this um <laughs> i'm blanking on the guy's name now he was it was like we met a guy he was rough and tumble he's like yeah you guys should come by well, yeah, we all there was a, <laughs> a, a the large beach there, yeah there was a large <laughs> yeah like, I remember that show you my chopper yeah show so you my hog there was a large there was a large group <laughs> a large group of people that went to this guy's house uh, I think for a, it was a friend of a friend <laughs> he literally showed his his motorcycle in the park tattoos first. big <laughs> scary guy. Like pretty much, if I remember correctly, like a handlebar mustache, or at least yeah, one of those older like, too. Like he was like he looked like a biker for sure, or yeah. a cowboy, like one of the two. Smoker's voice, whiskey whiskey drinker, <laughs> definitely um, had like a deep voice and showed us. Yeah, I remember everybody went and looked at this like crazy chopper motorcycle in the basement, and then he was like, "Hey, come up for a drink." And his apartment was covered in doilies and fine china. And fine china. And he's it was like, "God damn it, guys! You want some tea?" Yeah. <laughs> but it was it. That was like actually one of the most jarring events. Yeah. Because it actually, was so. We all left. Styles look like like nothing. And it makes this guy look like he's ahead of the curve. Because it's it's hard to imagine. He was like the most grandma esque. His uh, place was insane. Insanely, it was like going yeah. into a museum of a, a But not <laughs> somebody else's place. Like he wasn't home sitting like he, no. he it was his selections. Yeah. Of and, doilies. And, he, and and it definitely wasn't like, yeah, I'm looking after this for somebody. No. No, it was like <laughs> I was like, I crochet <laughs> in my spare time. When I'm not riding my Harley find me crocheting on on my floral couch. Yeah, um, we but definitely it, yeah. left behind the curtain on that one. Yeah. Anyways, all right. Well, without further ado, Matt, let's cut to our interview with Peter Taylor. Enjoy. Okay, so we're here with Peter Taylor, contributing editor at McLean's Magazine, and also senior features editor at C two C Journal. Welcome, Peter, and thanks for taking the time. Oh, hi, Adam. Hi, Matt. Yeah, thanks so much for taking the time today, Peter. Uh, can you start by maybe telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. I'm a uh, writer, columnist, uh, editor. I work uh, for McLean's. Um, C2C Journal is another online publication I, I write for that's based out of Calgary. Um, and I write uh, columns in my local Waterloo Region Record newspaper as well as the Toronto Star. And sometimes I write for the Post and the Globe. Uh, so freelance writer. Right on. And you know what? We asked you on, and it's, it's been a long time coming here, uh, in regards to one of your, one of your pieces in the Toronto Star late last year, why you should learn to stop worrying about household debt. Um, 
you know, six, six days ago feels like six years ago right now. Uh, and that was probably pushing six months ago. You wrote that. And, uh, I know at least, uh, in our circles, a lot of people are worrying about kind of COVID-19 and the economic impact. Uh, does, does the article still stand? Uh, certainly. I mean, uh, uh, the, 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 there's a more pressing crisis, I guess, right now. But certainly, um, uh, I wrote that in response to a lot of uh, hand wringing, perhaps, or worries about uh, uh, debt to income ratios. Uh, in the pre-COVID nineteen era, that was one of the things that people seemed to worry <laughs> about quite a bit. Um, and the good I old expect days. people, yeah, yeah, the good old days. You know, a couple weeks ago, um, and I expect that uh, you know. Uh, eventually, uh, the current pandemic crisis will pass and we'll go back to worrying about all the old things we used to worry about, like, uh, housing prices and, uh, and debt and, uh, and whatnot. So, um, yes, it is certainly it, uh, it says barring the, uh, successful resolution of the, our current crisis, I'm sure we will go back to fretting about all the old crises, right. um, <laughs> that, uh, that were in the, that are just in the background right now. So, so Peter, we often hear about debt to income as as being mm-hmm. kind of the most useful measure. Why why isn't it? Well, that's a it's an interesting uh, issue. That just to back up, uh, you know, the number I think the latest number was uh, uh, Canadians have a dollar seventy seven in debt for every dollar they earn in income. Um, and again, in the pre COVID nineteen days, uh, lots of economists and uh, sort of. Uh, financial observers would say this is a portent of a looming disaster, that uh, uh, there's been a big divergence in, in Canadians' uh, debt-to-income ratio versus Americans, for instance, after the last uh, financial crisis in 2008. Um, so, so people, it was a, it was a, a real focus, this $1.77 number. You saw it everywhere. It was uh, people worried quite a bit about it. Um, and so uh, I think to, to stat Statistics Canada's credit, they said, well, let's take a, a, a closer look at this number. And does it actually, um, does it actually uh, foretell financial problems? Um, so they, they looked at uh, a couple of indicators of, of, of household financial problems. One was um, the ability, if you'd missed a non-mortgage payment in the past year, so you missed a credit card debt uh, monthly payment or uh, something like that. Uh, another indicator they looked at was mortgage payments missed, and the third indicator of financial problems was uh, whether you'd accessed a payday loan in the past three years. So they, they take the assumption that if people seem to worry a lot about debt-to-income, if it's really a problem, then you'd think a high debt-to-income ratio would be associated with, with these three indicators of, of actual financial distress. Um, and what they found was that there was uh, no link at all, surprisingly, um, uh, I can maybe just uh, find you a quote here. Uh, debt to income ratio does not appear to be associated with financial distress. Um, in some of these three, uh, uh, indicators, uh, having a low debt to income ratio was, uh, associated with a higher risk of, of, uh, for instance, missing a non-mortgage, uh, debt payment or accessing payday loan. So, um, so that's a surprising, um, result. And and they did a, dug a little deeper. They said, well, what does what what ratios do indicate um, financial distress? And they found that uh, debt to asset ratios was a much more useful 
uh, indicator of looming financial distress and debt to income. So I mean, we can talk a bit more about that. Maybe you have some more questions, but just uh, the, the the top level uh, um, uh, finding from this StatsCan report was that uh, for all the worry that goes into debt to income, it doesn't seem to be associated with um, future financial distress uh, uh, indicators. So, so that's that's really interesting, Peter. So in, in a few follow-ups there. One, the debt-to-income includes mortgage debt, correct? Yes. Okay. And and why, and this is totally an aside, but uh, my understanding is since the uh, 08 financial crisis that, that that's where the divergence between uh, debt-to-income in Canada and the U.S., uh, occurred and then, and based on this reading, uh, the U.S. is in, or U.S. kind of individuals are in, in a healthier spot. Um, why, why did they diverge? Well, that's an interesting thing. The, uh, I think the, uh, the housing market crash in the U.S. was probably, uh, quite a bit sharper, uh, than in Canada. Uh, certainly, you know, you saw the, uh, what happened in Florida and uh, some yeah, other markets. Arizona and uh, sure. so so they you know they got punished a little more I guess and perhaps they were a little more circumspect when things turned around. Um, I'm I'm not an expert in that area. I just it's it's well established though that while um, the American debt to income ratio fell fairly significantly following the financial crisis in Canada, it, it generally kept sort of trending upwards, and that was. You know, in that last 10 years, that's why we've been hearing more and more about debt to income in Canada, because uh, it was it was different than what in the U.S. and it hadn't seemed to respond to the uh, financial crisis the way it had in the U.S. Right. And and so it sounds like debt to asset, uh, according to according to StatsCan, is a is a better uh, guide to, to financial health, as I understand it. Can you talk a little bit about what that what that means? Sure. I mean, and so, um, uh, you know, rather than measuring uh, your debt against how much you earn in a year, uh, debt to assets obviously measures the, the size of your debt relative to everything that you own. Um, and so that uh, creates a much bigger, uh, if you know your high school math, that's a, a much bigger denominator, I think. Um, <laughs> You're going to have to back up. <laughs> one's the numerator and the other's the denominator. Right. <laughs> Uh, anyways, uh, so so you're measuring the debt against a, large, a, a much bigger number for someone, for instance, that owns their house. Um, uh, it's no longer how much you're pulling in a year, but it's uh, you know the, the house that you own and whether it's appreciated since you bought it, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so so just to go sort of uh, stepwise, the um, uh, the stats can when they measured. Um, uh, debt to assets versus these three indicators of financial distress, missing a non-mortgage payment, missing a mortgage payment, or, or accessing a payday loan, they found a really strong uh, connection. So people that had high debt to asset ratios, um, so they got a lot of debt re- relative to, to what they own, uh, were much more uh, likely to uh, uh, trigger those financial distress indicators. Uh, you know, this is a podcast, so I can't show you any pictures, but but trust me, the the little bar graphs are, are pretty uh, are pretty clear in that regard. So um, so this this suggests that this is a more useful number to to be watching because there's a, a higher degree of of uh, c- connection between the things you should be worried about. And then the good news is that debt to assets. 
um, has actually been in a, a decline since the, the financial crisis of 2008-2009. It's been a slow decline. It's gone from about 19% uh, to 16%, um, which is in, in the right direction. It's certainly um, better news than you know everyone frets about the uh, debt-to-income ratio, which has gone up from, I don't know, about um, 135 to 177 today. Um, so it's both uh, a better way of looking at things, and when you look at things that way, the news is is better, um, which is which is kind of nice. Just out of curiosity, Peter, did you look at any uh, using the debt to asset ratio? Uh, what does this inform us about, say, like markets like Toronto and uh, Vancouver in terms of real estate? Well, certainly. Um, uh, people's assets, especially homeowners, people's assets have been going up fairly significantly, and they're going up faster than incomes. I mean, the whole housing affordability so-called crisis um, was was just that, right? That uh, housing prices and, and rents are going up faster than incomes, and therefore uh, there's an affordability uh, crunch for potential home buyers or renters. Right. Um, but when you when you include assets, assets have been growing. Um, you know, that's the bottom, that's the bottom of the fraction. And so, uh, people are in less worse shape than, than you might assume, uh, because the, the assets are growing. Um, and also looking ahead, um, having an asset, uh, gives you some insulation, uh, against, uh, potential downturns or, um, you know, if you're only measuring things against your income, if you lose your job, you're screwed, basically. Right. But but when when you look at um, assets, you can you can access um, uh, loans using your house as a collateral. Uh, you can rent out the house to generate some more income. You know, perhaps you could, if you have a large lot, you can sell part of the land. You know, there's all there's ways to um, get yourself through problems if you've got an asset that can be. Uh, uh, manipulated uh, in this way. Sure. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. Like, I don't know if it's useful to think of this in terms of, especially in this this kind of uncertain moment we're in right now, uh, thinking mm-hmm. about um, Canadians versus Americans or even just homeowners versus uh, uh, renters. It strikes me as, as exactly that, right? That that homeowners actually have a, a a lot more tools for better or for worse, a lot more tools to kind of weather a storm in terms of uh, a home equity line of credit, uh, potentially, exactly, yeah. or, or yeah, using, using the, the asset as collateral to kind of get through. It becomes an insurance policy that you don't have, uh, that you're not considering if all you look at is income, right? You don't, uh, you don't know what sort of backstops, uh, the country has if you ignore, um, assets, um, that people own, and that, that's why debt to assets is is an arguably a better uh, a better tool to use. Why Why do you think it is that we keep seeing like why are people so married to this debt to income ratio? Like why has it had the staying power that it's had? Well, I think 
people like a bad <laughs> people are drawn <laughs> to the bad news um you know telling everyone hey uh you know debt to assets is uh is a good number and it's on a long slow decline uh, it's not much of a story to tell right um so i don't know maybe this is an indictment of the the media <laughs> <laughs> industry and I should shut up, but uh, uh, spiking uh, spiking debt to income ratio just you know it sounds arresting. Uh, it's you know tell me more. Uh, we've you know this divergence from the U.S. is also interesting. So there's that kind of thing plays into it. It's also perhaps simpler to understand. Um, and <clears throat> excuse me. Um, for a long time, when uh, before we've seen this this big run up in housing prices, keep in mind debt to income and debt to assets kind of moved. I mean, they certainly weren't at the same level, uh, but they kind of moved in tandem right. uh, a little bit. You know, as long as housing prices are going up at the same rate as people's incomes, and assuming that house prices are the vast bulk of of the assets that people own, um, there's not going to be any. You know, there's not going to be any divergence between those two two figures, and so um, you know, not as much of a story to tell, perhaps. Uh, I, I mean, a lot of this is being driven by the big run up in in housing prices, um, and and you know that wealth effect. People talked about the wealth effect prior to the financial meltdown, um, and uh, you know that the fact that having a lot of assets made people feel wealthy and that affected um their outlook and and the things they bought and and how they acted and um you know those sort of grim times 10 years ago or so sort of shut people up about that i guess is another argument perhaps right uh, it's very interesting and and we always talk in vancouver about the transfer of wealth from you know baby mm-hmm. boomers cashing out in 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 the market and and gifting money to the to the younger generations it's 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 just it's it's um it, it, it is an interesting insurance policy, and it has a way of, of keeping markets moving as well. Sure, and you're ignoring it entirely if all you um, look at are incomes, exactly. and especially you know the millennium, millennial generation's incomes, uh, and, and you ignore the, the value of wealth and assets uh, that, are, that are also there. Play- I mean, it, does, it clearly does affect how you feel um, uh, and, and your outlook on things. Well, well, you know what? And I just got in the in the mail this morning, actually, uh, uh, from my mortgage provider, uh, a letter that said, "Hey, you're not accessing your HELOC two point three nine for the next six months if you want to transfer any debt from any other place uh, there." And you know what? Gave me a warm and fuzzy feeling, <laughs> uh, thinking about kind of the next three to six months here. Uh, That's yeah. the only warm and fuzzy yeah, feeling no, you've had in, yeah, yeah, <laughs> in a while. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, st- I sat and stared at it for about a half hour. <laughs> um, but so you follow the the economy uh, kind of uh, in, in kind of a larger context, Peter. Based on your your reading of the data here, uh, we're kind of curious to hear what your thoughts are on what the next six. To twelve months look like for the economy at large, and and uh, and what the debt to assets ratio uh, means for kind of individual Canadians to to potentially weather an oncoming storm here. Yeah, well, I, I don't present myself as a, a great um, uh, expert, but I do, you know, look at the world through an economist's lens. I guess I have a master's in economics. 
Um, and this, these are this is a, a very you know everyone talks it's unprecedented times. So, I mean, uh, from an aggregate perspective, we are having both a um, both a demand shock. Everybody is told to stay home. You can't go to restaurants and uh, et cetera. So there's a reduction in, in aggregate demand, but also um, a supply shock at the same time. Factories are shutting down. I just heard the, the car manufacturers are going to go on pause for a little bit. Uh, all sorts of uh, supply side uh, functions aren't working either. So, um, you know, it's a big question about uh, is this just going to be a, a kind of a holiday? And as soon as um, it resolves itself, everyone will go back to doing exactly what they were doing beforehand. Um, in which case, it would be a sharp, you know, sh- kind of V-shaped um, blip in the in the data, or or whether this is going to have a bigger impact on people's, uh, you know, long-term perspective. Um, maybe I'll ask you guys a question is, is how are prospective homeowners responding? Do you find, uh, you know, I don't even know, are you allowed to go to open houses and, and stuff these days or, or what is the, um, what's that sort of, uh, response been like? Well, it, it's surprising because I think Vancouver is a little behind the curve in, in how the housing market has reacted to the news. Okay. Um, like we've seen last week, uh, there were a lot of open houses, a lot of very busy open houses, and a lot of multiple offers uh, following the weekend. Still, this week, I'm I'm guessing like I've seen a lot of cancellations for opens. We're still seeing a lot of private showings, um, so individual showings, and we're still seeing a fairly buoyant market, depending on which segment of the market, of course, you're looking at. But sure. uh, but it, it does seem quite busy in Vancouver. Although we were talking to um, uh, uh, we were talking to someone yesterday who who is uh, the president of a mortgage company and that has fifteen hundred brokers across Canada, and he was saying, in it's it's very hit or miss. Like some markets like are still moving, and and market and other markets are, are have completely pushed pause. They're not doing any showings, uh, and it, it seems like they're they're taking a breath here. But but like a, a good, I think this is a. a a useful example is there's a there's a house that just came on in East Vancouver where they're not doing open houses this weekend, but they're having everybody through at the same time and essentially lining up outside six feet apart to oh, go right. in with hand sanitizer. Yeah, with hand sanitizer, <laughs> going in one at a time, which I'm not sure is the most responsible thing in the first place. But then uh, holding off on offers still. So clearly, uh, people are seeing you know, the demand still there um, in the housing market right now. Well, that's that's going to tell the tale, right? If, if people feel confident enough that um, whenever this resolves itself in 14 days or a month or by July or August, um, and they're, you know, planning to go back to their normal lives as, as soon as that happens, then you would expect to see this kind of long-term planning, like which is a house purchase, to continue unabated, uh, but if it becomes a, a a bigger concern that life as we know it has somehow been altered, then that's um, going to have an, an impact on on these sorts of decisions. Yeah. Um, so you guys are on the front lines in some ways, uh, more so than the restaurant business. Like I mean, I'm presuming um, as soon as restaurants open again, people will be prepared to go back to the restaurants and, and bars and we're, we're hoping we're hoping but i guess <laughs> yeah. i guess every time you sneeze now you'll probably get a different look and and i you know i mean it it is a it, it's hard to imagine that the world won't change sy- <laughs> systemically in some of, ways yeah. in some At ways as a, a result of, of this 
Um, so yeah, I think, I think you're right, but it, it's interesting because the more, the more we've been thinking about it and talking to people about it, it, a lot of it is contingent on the duration of this social distancing and, and the isolation, uh-huh. right? I mean, that's, uh, I think, you know, I, I hope, I hope the two, two to four weeks is, is what we're looking at, but if it's two to three months, you know, the outcome is dramatically different, I think. So. Well, I just sort of repeating what I said already. I, I, I think you're quite right. Uh, it, it's a, sort of what the animal spirits have to say in people's, you know, how do, how do people, how are people viewing the future? And if it's a, just a pause, um, then everything goes back to normal like this, what they call a, a V-shape correction. Um, but if it's more significant, if people really do think the world has changed in some ways, um, then, then that's a big deal. I, and I, I, you know, I wish I knew more about uh, people have seen a couple of articles about sort of the Spanish flu in 1918, 1919. Um, and I, I, I don't, not an expert on that era, but, um, certainly the twenties were, uh, you know, a a roaring, a roaring time in terms of uh, the economy. So, uh, that was a world in which they'd just gone through a you know a horrible war, and then they, there was this pandemic that swept the entire world. Um, but uh, still, the, I mean, the 1920s were were a time of of great economic progress. So um, I don't know if there's any uh, uh, um, salvation to be found there. Uh, yeah, that's the second time I felt warm and fuzzy. Uh, yeah, thanks, Peter. <laughs> Well, maybe maybe one last question here for you, just to put a, a, a fine point on it here. Uh, do you think Canadians are better situated to to weather, say, a three to six month storm than than Americans? Even though the 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 gauges that are primarily used, it seems like the Americans are are better situated. That's a tough question. Um, you know, if you just ask me uh, about Canada versus a kind of a theoretical Canada, let's, um, you know, I look at things from a sort of a fiscal point of view, and it's frustrated me a little bit that the, uh, you know, the, the federal liberals uh, over the past four or five years have, have run fairly significant deficits, even when economic times were pretty darn good uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and now we come to a, a period when, you know, things are pretty grim and you need to have all the, you know, bullets in your gun kind of thing. Um, you know, they've just announced a, a fairly large stimulus package, but you wonder, you know, uh, could it have been bigger or would it have been uh, more secure if, if we'd been running surpluses, for instance, over the last sure. few years? Now that you compare that with the U.S. and they, their situation is even worse than ours, and they've they, they've rolled out a... They're rolling out pretty big stimulus packages as well. Um, so I, I don't know that I have any intelligence on on uh, sort of comparing the Canada with the U.S. right now. Certainly, you know, the Americans can, um, you know, the world still is willing to invest in the U.S., so they've got a lot of capacity there. Um, I don't know if I'm answering your question here. but No, uh, that's, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, what I take away, I... I um, I'm impressed, perhaps, with the the acceptance that a high level of integration between Canada and the U.S. is absolutely essential. Um, you know, I look today to the uh, the announcement of the you know the hardening the border, if you will, but it's uh, you know the trucking industry, for instance, has been exempt from that. Right. Um, and that, that I think that's a real signal that both sides, Canada and the U.S., um, understand how tightly interwoven our economies are. 
um, and then how necessary it is to allow uh, goods to travel back and forth. So um, that's perhaps a, a good thing, um, uh, even at a time when everyone's saying, you know, borders are really important. You know what? I think uh, this was in economic terms. It makes me think of, uh, I think it's in Mexico they generally say this, but when the when the United States sneezes, Mexico catches a cold. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess it as goes... Maybe yeah. It sounds like your your answer is kind of as goes the the U.S. goes Canada in some ways. Mm-hmm. Well, well, maybe we'll leave it there. But um, how can people find out more about what you're doing, Peter? And uh, yeah, what, read some of your writing, hopefully. Uh, sure. Well, I I, um, I do write for McLean's, and they have an online uh, website that's quite easy to find. Uh, uh, another place I do a lot of writing and editing is for a C2C Journal, as I mentioned before. That uh, website there, it's a free online uh, magazine it's the letter c the number two the letter c journal.ca so c2c journal.ca the idea is that it's a play on the c to c um right notion uh so that's uh and i you know if you happen to live in waterloo region ontario i i write for the local newspaper as well a column there so uh, uh peter sean taylor is uh uh is how i write so Perfect. And and uh, just out of curiosity, because I know Waterloo's been a very busy real estate market this year. Mm-hmm. Are, are are you guys any in, intel on on how that market's responding to COVID nineteen? Uh, well, we're certainly uh, prior to COVID nineteen, it was uh, it was booming. I'm not uh, in the um, uh, sort of uh, looking or, or looking to sell right now, so I couldn't. I'm afraid I can't tell you how things are. Uh, are playing out uh, right now, but uh, it has been a quite a hot just because we're on the periphery of uh, Toronto, so we get sure. uh, some of the people that are prepared to aggressively commute uh, <laughs> living here, and, <laughs> and, and we've got the tech, uh, sort of quite a large tech uh, sector here as well. So yeah, yeah, no kidding. Excellent. Well, well th- thanks again, Peter, for your time. Uh, very interesting. I think very timely, actually. I, it took us a while to connect, but I'm glad sure. we did right now. It's uh, it, This is a useful way to think of it, I think. Okay. Well, thanks, uh, Adam, and thanks, Matt, uh, for having me on. Okay. Take care. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Peter Taylor, contributing editor at McLean's and freelance feature writer for C2C Journal. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I, I really enjoyed this conversation with Peter, really bright guy, had a lot of really interesting things to say. But we actually, we've tiptoed around, you know, calling it debt to asset ratio, but we've had this conversation several times, right? Like people are always talking about the assets and just how much wealth is in the Vancouver real estate market, right? Um, so it's, it's very interesting to see it kind of, uh, quantified or, or in a more kind of formal way, talking about all of Canada and the, and the health of the financial market at, at large. Well, and the, and the interesting thing to think about, uh, at least from this conversation for me is to think about, okay, if, if, the, if this is a fairly deep and prolonged recession, who's set up to weather the storm? Uh, right. and, and especially when you think, okay, the debt to income, the health of the debt to income for an individual in the U.S. 
uh, or writ large is seems healthier than Canadians. But uh, I, I think having those assets is uh, it, it does give you a warm feeling uh, that you can draw down if if absolutely required. Yeah, it's it's nice and, and it's nice for a lot of Vancouverites that have been in the market for some time or even have been in the market for the last few years. Um, you know, if you do have a home equity line of credit, hug it tightly right now um, because the reality is, is if we are moving into into, um, you know, unprecedented territory, um, you, you know, money's going to be very cheap. Uh, in, in, and you in want access future. to it. You yeah. want access to it for sure. What else do we got, Adam? Well, we're in production mode here in terms of content uh, around yeah. COVID-19, around coronavirus, around Vancouver real estate. Uh, we're back in the lab with a pen and a pad here. Well, you know what the thing is, is it, it's, it's like, like we said, I mean, this is uncharted territory. And uh, I, I think it's, uh, it's kind of the time to just start, you know, pulling back. I, I, I want to understand this better. Um, and I think just, I, I feel it's like everybody. It's almost cathartic to talk about, talk it through. And that's what we plan to do with microphones in front of us. Yeah. Faces. Yeah. Exactly. And we're just talking to people. And, and, and the real, the real thing right now is to just, is to hunker down and, and to be safe and to, um, make sure that you have some reserves in place because this could get a lot worse before it gets better. And, uh, and, you know, we're just thinking about everybody right now and hoping that uh, everybody is uh, social distancing and, and taking care. And, yeah, if you find time, head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. That's where we're going to be posting all this stuff. Uh, you even you, you were doing some writing last night. I was doing some writing last night. Yeah, I've been uh, I've, I've been spending a lot of time just uh, uh, collecting thoughts. <laughs> Well, I look forward to it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you yeah. should do VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. If you want to talk about Adam's thoughts uh, or anything more generally about it's the real it's a lot estate like market Jack in Vancouver, Handy thoughts on SNL. deep thoughts. Yeah, a lot of them are almost haikuish, but uh, definitely check them out. <laughs> Call me at seven seven eight eight four seven two eight five four or Matt at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com seven seven eight eight six six four five seven four or Adam at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. We also have that Howard Hughes line, info at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. I'm not sure you're going to get a response from that line. Uh, I'm <laughs> down in the basement. No one knows where Secret is. He's not answering his calls. He's in. He's deep, deep, deep underground somewhere. <laughs> uh, he's totally, he's got the storm, the storm shutters up. Um, and and he's, uh, he's probably wrapped in a bunch of saran wrap. I don't even know how we're going to get this edited, quite frankly. Um, but regardless. Info. <laughs> He'll respond. Yeah, give him, give him a <laughs> Put some pressure on him. Uh, anyways, guys, have a great week. Take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, 
What's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the way. And I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. <laughs> 